Well, good morning, everybody. Yes, so glad to see you. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here. Welcome to Life Point Church. I know it's summer. Uh, I know it's been hot, but we did get some rain. Can I get a witness on some rain? Yeah, um, it's like that twice a year that we get some of that, and it's been good. Um, but we're so glad you're here. I know there's a lot of folks out on vacations, and uh, we're, we're glad you're here. A couple things real quickly. Next week is baptisms. I know you just heard that, but man, if that's your next step, if you've been thinking about it, if you've been putting it off, this is your week. You can sign up out in the, in the lobby at Next Steps uh, Central out there on your way out the door, or you can just show up. We would be happy to have you there. And then normally we do this thing called First Wednesday on the first Wednesday of the month, um, but this was July the 4th last week, so we decided it'd be better if we did it on the second Wednesday of the month. So First Wednesday is happening on the second Wednesday this week, and we'd love to have you here. Seven to eight, we'll have some watermelon and stuff out in the front after you leave just to kind of have fun and hang out, but we'd love for you to join us for some worship and a little bit of word. Uh, it's just a different vibe in the house. If you've been to one, it's a totally different vibe than what we do on, on Sundays. And uh, I just think you'll like it. So come check it out. Um, we are in this teaching series called One Hit Wonder. And basically, it's not a series in the traditional sense where we take an idea or a passage of scripture and just kind of unpack it for three or four weeks. This is a different deal in that we have multiple speakers who come, um, including the last two weeks while uh, I was out doing ministry two weeks ago, um, covering for a friend of mine here in town who was on a sabbatical. His church knew he needed some rest and sent him out to go to chill for a little bit. And so we covered for them. And then last week, we had an amazing team um, that went down to Costa Rica and served there. Uh, you would have been so proud of all these folks who worked so hard and did such good, good work. And we just want to thank you, those of you who supported us, either in prayer or you sent money or whatever you did. Thank you so very much. And next year, I just want to throw this out, next year... We're going to take two trips to Costa Rica, and we're going to try to take one trip to Haiti as well, um, um, because there's so much to be done in Costa Rica and in Haiti. And we just think that everybody should have a chance to go at least once in your life to do some mission work. And you don't have to be qualified in anything. You don't have to be like super spiritual. Um, you can just be like a regular person who wants to go and do good stuff, and you'll love it. It's usually around twelve to thirteen hundred dollars, and that kind of covers everything. And so July the 1st, um, uh, first week of July, rather, next year, we've already put it down. Um, we're going to Costa Rica and probably taking two different teams to go to two different parts of the country. Um, so if you've been thinking about it, if you've been wanting to do that, you got lots of time. To, you got one year now to, to make that happen. So think about it and that we've already booked this trip July, first week of July. Um, that's when that's going to go down. So we're in this series, back to what I was saying before I got digressed. Um, but I digressed myself. Anyways, um, we are just teaching kind of what we're passionate about in the moment. Sometimes it'd be something we've actually taught here before, but just something that God's dealing with us about. And in my case, in particular for today, next week will be different, but for today, this is something that I'm personally wrestling with. Um, some would say struggling with. Something that God's kind of dealing with me. It has been for many years now. Um, and it's things that I get right sometimes, then I kind of don't get right sometimes. And, and right now I'm in a season where I don't think I'm getting it quite right. Um, summer, um, for me, is my favorite time of the year um, because it's when life has a tendency to slow down a little bit, uh, at least for some of us. Um, we don't have our schedules quite as crammed up. Our kids are out of school. We do vacations. We take trips. Um, we eat food we don't normally eat. Uh, it's a great time. Um, yesterday I had a Big Red. I don't usually drink Big Red. It's my favorite drink ever. Um, 
it literally will make my eyes roll back in my head a little bit when I first take the first swig. If it's really, really cold, I mean like 80% backwards, like I'm like, is it going to come back? Um, but I really love it. I had, a, I had one that was about, I don't know, about that big, you know, just a little, little something, something. <laughs> Valero had like, it was 79 cents for all sizes. So I was like, of course I need the, the gallon size. And it was, it was beautiful. I don't usually drink it, but it was beautiful. Um, but we were in, while we were in Costa Rica, um, we, we worked the first four days or so. And then the last day and a half, we went to this awesome little hotel in the rainforest on the edge of a mountain overlooking the ocean. Totally. You should come to Costa Rica with us. Um, and, but what was cool about this place was that it was filled with families, this, this hotel, young families, kids, and everybody was relaxed and, and chilled. And I love summer because it affords us this opportunity, uh, unlike other times, to, to rest. And, and life has, has a flow about it, um, a, a rhythm, as I'm going to talk about today, about it, uh, where you can't just always be working, 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 pedal to the metal, that sometimes you have to slow down. And you have to rest and you have to understand that. And you don't have to just do it throughout the year. You have to do it daily. You have to learn rhythm. And you have to learn rhythm weekly. And you have to learn rhythm monthly. And you have to learn the seasons of life. And there's a rhythm, um, rhythm to all of it. And so while I'm struggling a little bit in this area right now because, uh, I don't know, four or five months ago, my wife and I decided to sell our house and to downsize and to just sort of simplify our lives. And so we sold our house and we bought a new old house. Can I, anybody know what I'm saying with this? And so my wife watches a lot of HGTV. Uh, it's the bane of my existence as a man. Um, she uh, is maybe um, Joanna Gaines, but I am not Chip. Come on, look at me. <laughs> I, I have no skills. I can break things like Chip, and after that, it's over. Uh, I don't have any, anything else that Chip's got. Um, but um, so we've been trying to remodel our house, and we've been doing a lot of the work ourselves-ish. Um, and, and so what would happen is we would we work all day at our, at our normal jobs, me at the church. She had her, her job. And then we would immediately meet at 5, 5.30 or whatever at the house, and we paint and we break things and uh, we create lots of messes. And then we go to dinner around 10 o'clock at wherever we can get food at 10 o'clock, which in Holotus is Burger King or Dairy Queen, um, which I don't normally frequent either of those two places. I hadn't been to Burger King in 15 or 20 years. And then I've eaten there three times because there's one at the Shell station right over here. Anyways, um, it's not bad. Um, anyways. So all of my rhythms of life are over right now. I mean, they've been just trashed. I was cycling constantly. I was eating really healthy. Um, and, and so a few pounds, 10, uh, over the last two months. Um, partially because of big reds that big. Um, and and it's, it's affected me not only physically, but it just kind of affected me all the way around. And it's disrupted so much. And we finally moved in. But if you know when you move into a new old house, there's still work to be done and your stuff, you don't know where any of your stuff is. Like I'm wearing the same clothes like every other day because I only have like three outfits that I can find. So act like you've never seen this particular getup before. Um, so anyways, I want, in, in light of all that, I want to talk about rhythm. And I want to talk specifically about two words that show up in scriptures that are not common to our day. They're not part of our normal rhythm, but they were important words in, in biblical times. And the first of the words was written by a, name, uh, by a guy by the name of Paul. We call him the Apostle Paul. Um, and he writes this word, uh, this, and he, it's one of his favorite words. He writes this word to his friends at, at a church in Corinth, a town called Corinth. 
Um, and, and it's in chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And here's what he says, and I love this verse, and it's going to give us our first word. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be, would you say these two words with me? Be steadfast and immovable. These aren't the two words I want to talk about, but I want to talk about these for just one second. We live in a culture where things change, 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 where morality is very flexible anymore and it's very gray anymore. Um, but Paul knows this is going to happen, particularly in Corinth, which was like, like whatever the most like liberal, uh, acceptable of anything kind of town, maybe San Francisco, maybe New Orleans, uh, like Corinth was like that times 10, okay? And he says, listen, when the sway of culture, when the current of culture wants to sweep you off your feet and, and co cause you to just kind of go whichever way the wind's blowing, he says, no, 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 I want you to be steadfast, rooted in the scriptures, and I want you to be immovable. And then our word for the day, always, would you say this next word with me, abounding in the work of the Lord or the work that God's given you to do. Like some people could translate that as the work of the Lord means I got to be a missionary. I got to be a pastor. No, no, no. Just whatever the work is that God's given you to do, always abounding in the work that God gives you because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The word abound is the first of the two words that I want to hang out with for you um, for a little while here. Um, the, the word abound means to overflow or to be or to excel at, or to be uh, full of, and to thrive in the work, in Paul's case, what he writes, the work that God's given to you. Uh, Eugene Peterson is a pastor who paraphrased the Bible in something called the message. And he translates this text as, throw yourself into the work that God's given you. Have tremendous energy for it. And then in Colossians 3, he comes back and he says, he says this amazing thing. He says, whatever you do, what, 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 meaning whatever your job is, Work at it with all of your heart. Give it everything as though you're working for the Lord himself and not for human masters or bosses or, 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 or the like. Throw yourself into it. The, the idea here is that God gives everybody good work to do. Now, it may be a volunteer work. It may be, it may be you work from an office or in a practice or you work wherever. You may, be, you may work from home. You may be a stay-at-home mom. But whatever the case is, whether you're very old and you're retired or you're very young, the idea is that God gives everybody work to do. And if you're still breathing, by the way, you still have work to do. And it's good work. And, and the idea is that you would make a difference in the world, that you'd be creative and that you would use your gifts and your talents and your ability, your energy to, to make the world a better place. That's, that's the idea here. That's the, 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 what the writer intends. So Solomon comes along, the wise man, and he says in Ecclesiastes 9.10, he says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your your might. Right? In other words, don't just go to work and punch the clock and just take a check. No, no, no. Give it all that you've got. And because the, the idea is that whatever, what, what, what all of us want and what God made us to want is that at the end of our lives, at the end of our days, we look back on the course of our lives, on the work, the work part of our lives and go, you know what, God, I, I, I really did give it all that I had. I wasn't perfect, but I gave it everything that I had and, and, I, and I did it um, as though I was working for you and not humans. And, 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 and everybody, I think, that you know, that I know, we want that, right? We, we want to know at the end of our lives that we did good work, that what we did mattered. But that's not all I want, right? I don't want to be just known for what I did at the end of my life. 
I want to be known for the kind of person that I was. And so that brings up the second word that we're going to look at here today. And we're just going to kind of interact with these two phrases over throughout the course of this message. And, and this is the words of Jesus, as recorded by John, uh, who was one of Jesus' best friends. Jesus, John would say he was Jesus' best friend. And, and it's in chapter 15. And by the way, this chapter is one of those chapters that if you're like, I'm not really reading the scriptures, I don't really know what to read, read John 15. Read it for the next 30 days. Read it every day for the next 30 days. Memorize it because it'll change your life, I promise you. And so Jesus says in verse four, he says, abide in me, that's the word, and I in you, and then he says, as the branch, and when he says the word branch, that's me and you, we're people. He's, it's a metaphor, and we're the branches. He says, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, neither can you unless you abide in me. Three times in one verse, he uses the word abide. 10 times in this teaching that he gives. 10 times in John 15. And then in verse five, he says this, apart from me, you can do what? You remember? Nothing. It's a bold statement. It doesn't mean that you can't do things, that you won't accomplish things, but he says in light of eternity, in light of the fruit, he calls it the fruit that remains. The things that are gonna make their way into heaven, the sort of record keeping that is done for the good that you do in your life. He says, you will not do any of that Unless you abide, meaning that just by abounding alone, working really, really hard and enthusiastic and motivated, you will not on your own create stuff that remains unless you abide. Abound and abide. Now, now abide means to remain, to, to stay connected to, to dwell with, to to linger over. And the best way I can sort of describe this is I don't like winter. Um, I like summer. I just told you that. I like what we call fall, which is really winter in every other part of the world, right? It's like it's hot and then it's kind of not. That's winter, right, for us here. But So I like to go visit winter um, for like a week and then I'm done with winter because it's too cold in real winter and I want to come back to my version of winter, which is like 80 during the day and then like 62 at night. Come on, amen, somebody? So when I go visit winter, like, like sometimes I'll go ski, and I don't ski well, so I don't ski much. Come on. Because most of the time I just feel like I'm on the verge of death the entire time. Or a tremendous knee injury or something. Tree plants, you know, in my face. So, but when you get in, and if it's a cold, cold day, the wind's blowing, there's snow falling, I come in, and I'm very cold. My hands are freezing. My face is freezing. My eyes are watering. There's maybe some snickles coming out. Um, I'm going to leave that to... Um, probably too much information. And, and so somebody will give you a, like a hot cup of coffee, like a mug of coffee, and you, you hold that or a hot chocolate and, and, and just to warm your hands up and you kind of put it up to your face. Anybody ever done this besides me? And the steam's coming up and you're just like, oh, yes. And, and you just sort of linger in that moment. You sort of hang out in that moment. You enjoy that moment. And this is the word abide, connected to, lingering with. And, and so when Jesus says, to abide with him. The idea is that we are to live connected to him, like deeply in an unhurried and, and a peaceful and a sort of lingering kind of way that we're slowing down and, and, and we're listening and we're carving out space in the day and every day to, to be with him, to listen to him, to connect. Now, to take this a step further, abide also would refer to the idea of being connected to your family and your friends and relationships, not just to Jesus, although that's what Jesus is responding to here, our teaching here, 
but that it, it has this sort of holistic compound to it, or, or, or dynamic to it. And, and so this is what we're doing. We're, we're, we're working really hard. We're abounding over here. But then we understand daily, weekly, monthly, yearly that, that there's an abide component to it. That, 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 that the rhythm of, of life is, is about abounding and it's about abiding. abiding. Now, I, I want to abide with God. I, I want to be a man of deep prayer I, I want to live in an unhurried, sort of unfrenetic kind of way. I, I'd like to know that, that my, 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 my kids were, were hanging around with me and loved me and, 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 and were with me. And, and, and I don't want to go through my life as a sort of driven, obsessed human being, which is kind of my native bent. I don't want to just sort of skim through life or just sort of hydroplane over the ups and the downs of life, numbing myself to the highs and lows of life. I'd like to experience life authentically and deeply. I'd like to do what the psalmist did when he said that he wanted the Lord to be his shepherd. That the Lord would lead him, the shepherd would lead him and make him lie down in green pastures and, and lead him beside the still waters and, and there restore my soul. Now, it's an interesting phrase, restore my soul. And I, I get it because life has a way of really hijacking my soul and jacking up my soul. The enemy attacks me at a soul level. People often un, not trying to attack us at a soul level. And so we need a component that involves the restoration of my soul, and that's, that's abiding. So I find myself, though, with this tension, and this is my wrestling match right now, between this idea of abounding, getting good work done, being, being full on and going at it and being dynamic and working hard and, and having ambition, which I don't think is an unholy thing at all, and, 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 and the other side of the coin, which is abiding and, and restful and slowing and trying to make both of them. I, I find it difficult to do both. It feels like I can, I can err on one side or the other that I, can, that I can really, really, really abound, but to the detriment of my abide side of me. Does this make sense? Is anybody understanding what I'm saying? Like, like it feels hard to do both well at the same time, at least for me. Like I can, I can get one or the other, but for both of them, it's, it's hard. So, so I find with myself with this tension on the one hand, I want to abide. I want to walk deeply. I want to do life with my friend. I want to be still and know that he is God even when things around me aren't still. I want to have real peace. I want to slow down. I want to rest. I want to abide and I want to abound. But there's this tension. And then you add to that that the season from, again, this is going to be a very deeply personal message for me, but you add to that the tension of, of the season of life that I'm in, where I have a teenager, and I'm about to have another one, which is like, no way, because she's this big, and, and it's weird. But any, anyways, um, and, and then my wife works in the corporate world, and so that means she's regularly interacting with young dudes who are in their prime, and, and so i got to stay in this amazing physical shape <laughs> that I'm in. Like, I'm not sure I appreciate the laughter, you know what I'm saying? I'm not sure what that's all about. I'm not feeling love right now. I'm not abiding with you guys, apparently. And then I got two young daughters. And, and I want to I I give them the best that I have. I don't want to hand them my leftovers. 
I want to have memories with them. Like, I, I don't want to be over here amassing a pile of, of good, you know, name for myself and accomplishments and accolades and money or whatever it is that people want to, to uh, accomplish during their abound season. I don't want to be doing that. And on the other hand, I'm over here and I'm building a big pile of regret because my kids are growing up so fast and I'm missing out on the best moments of their life because our lives are so short and they pass by so fast. You see the tension that exists for me. And so I want to abound and I want to abide because the rhythm of life is found, I think, in abound and abide. The rhythm of life is found, I think, in the tension that exists between abounding and abiding. So in the time that remains, I want to make a series of observations about this dynamic, this tension that exists. The first one I want to pose as a question. When does the tension go away around this area? Anybody want to take a guess? Anybody, anybody? When you die. Come on, somebody. That's, that's when it happens. You can expect it to go away when you cease to exist on this mortal plane, right? Um, now, I find it interesting that Jesus, who is our model in this, he, he understood and wrestled with this tension as well. So maybe you don't know this, but he was 33 and a half-ish years old when he passed from this world, when he gave up his life for our sins. But for the first 30 of those years, he did work as a carpenter probably um, with his father. We don't have a lot of insight, but we think that that's probably what he did. <clears throat> and so he was just doing what, his, what his, his dad Joseph did. But at the age of around 30, um, he is ready to start doing the thing that he was called to do, which was to be this teacher, to be this rabbi, to be this miracle worker, and ultimately to be the savior of the world. Now, at 30 years old, do you know the first thing he does as he's about to enter into this thing? He gets baptized. Which, by the way, we're having a baptism next week, and so if you think, ah, I don't know if baptism is important, Jesus did it. Amen, somebody. I just, I just want to throw that out there. He went down. Boo, they dunked him too because it said he came up out of the water. So anyways, I'm just throwing that out. Baptisms next week. But next thing he does is he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and nights to abide with God, to commune with God, to rest in God. Why? Why does he do this? Well, because he knows he's got a calling on his life and he wants to abound. He wants to do good work and he knows it's going to take a lot from him. So he understands first I have to understand the rhythm of abide. I have to abide first and then. Because what happens to him as soon as he enters into public ministry is people are starting to call for him to do things and everybody's trying to get a piece of him and everybody wants him to heal their family and their, mem their family members and they want him to come to this thing and this thing and they want him to teach everywhere. And so this starts to happen and his, his ministry is catapulting and he's becoming very famous and he's going all over the all over the, his his region and it's just draining him at a soul level and it's exhausting at a physical level and so mark mark records what jesus did with this tension mark mark chapter 1 verse 35 it says very early in the morning before it was even daylight let me read it exactly how it, it's written here jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary, solitary pray, place. And what did he do? And he, he prayed. Jesus prayed. He, he's abiding. 
He's being stretched thin over here in the abound thing. He's doing what he's called to do, but it's, it's draining him. And, and so he's abiding, and he does this for a while. But soon, in the same passage of Scripture, soon Peter and some of the other disciples come to him, and they're like, hey, dude, Jesus, like, what are you doing over here, man? We've been shooting you texts. We've been shooting you emails. I got on Snapchat. You weren't on. I was messaging you through Facebook. You didn't have an electronic leash. Bro, we got work to do over here. And, and it's interesting because Jesus says, hey, dude, I'm over here abiding. Duh. Back off, right? Look what he says. He just, this is verse 38. He says, all right, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. And then this, that is why I've come. I've come, so he throws himself back into this abound thing, this back into this work deal. But if you notice his story, if you read the Gospels, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a rhythm, it's a dance between both of these two things. Abound, and then I have to abide. And then I'm going to go out and throw myself into the work, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to abide. Which leads to my second observation, which I'll pose as a question as well. Who is responsible for you getting this right? You are. I am for me, and you are for you. Now, I say this because it boggles the mind for me. The, the, the way that people want to let other people decide for them how they're going to live their one and only lives, which go by so fast and which are so short. Right? And, and, and so we feel pressure to say yes to everything for ourselves and for our kids. And part of getting rhythm right is, is learning how to say more, uh, no more than you do yes. Just a, just a freebie, which leads to the third observation. I have got to become very good at reading the gauges of my own life to see how I'm doing in the abound and the abide category. Now, Think about your vehicle. When you get in the car in a little bit, some of you, you're, you're, you're like my wife. I love her very much, but she can let the gas get low in her car, and your yellow light's going to be on. Am I right? Some of you, raise your hand for your, neighbor, for your husband or your wife if that's them. Three of you are brave enough to do that. You're smart. You're very smart people. Um, most, of thing, most of our life in our houses, we have gauges. We, we know the temperature. When the car is going bad, a, a light comes on. There are, there are gauges. But here's an interesting thing. Most of us don't understand that we have gauges too, and we have to learn how to, 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 to get gauges. We have to, learn, we have to have practices that will help us understand where I'm at. Because none of us have like a gauge on our forehead that goes, hey, you're running low in the spiritual category or you're lo running low in your, your, your dad capacity. It's not, you're not doing so hot. Man, you need to get that back up. Like we don't do that. So we have, to, we have to learn how to ask ourselves questions. How am I doing in this area, these key areas of life? We have to understand the, the gauges. And, 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 and the reason this is is because we live in a world where people get unhealthy very quickly and they do terrible and destructive things to themselves and to their relationships all because they don't understand this, this very dynamic. We, we live in a world where, where being overly busy is, is not only normal, it's kind of celebrated. Like, have you, had a, have you had a situation like this? Most of you have, where you see somebody you haven't seen in a while. You're like, hey, how's it going? Put her there. H how are you doing, man? And the guy's response will be something like, great, man, busy, super busy. Right? And implicit in that is this idea that my life is good because I am what? Busy. As though it's a fruit of the spirit or a byproduct of the spirit-filled life, right? Hey, I'm very busy, so God loves me more than you, you know, because you're not quite as busy as me. But, but here's, what, here's the danger in that is it leads to this, this state of mind, which is a hurried state of mind, 
or I'm hurrying from this thing to that thing to the next thing, and I gotta kick my kids there and there and there and there. And, and it starts to build up this anxiousness and this anxiety in, in us and this stress in us that's not healthy for us over the long haul to have to live in that. And, and it's like the other night, matter of fact, it was late, and I said, Babe, we gotta hurry. I, I gotta get to bed. We gotta go to bed. I gotta get up early in the morning. Have you ever hurried off to bed? Come on, how, how's that working for you? Right? You're just laying there like Beavis and his buddy, you know what I'm saying? Anybody Beavis? I can't say his name because, well, it's church and stuff. Like, fire, fire. And he's like always shaking and quivering a little bit. Like, that's how I'm laying in bed at night. Like, gotta hurry, babe. Come on, let's go to bed. You know, where's Beavis? You know, anyways, fire, fire. Anyway, look that up. Um, anyways. <laughs> so, so what happens is I have to fight hurry in my life because if I don't, hurry breeds a kind of anxiousness. And anxiousness, when it's allowed to go on in my life and hurry and that impatience and that frustration will lead to the third component for me, for me, not, maybe not for you, which is a kind of anger. Um, particularly noticed when I'm on the road. Can I get an amen driving? And I live in this kind of sense of stress and anxiousness and it's the opposite of abide, which Jesus said, I have to do if I want to have fruit that remains. This is important, y'all. I know it feels like Dr. Phil right now, but this is important. This is biblical, scriptural stuff. So I, I, I want to give you some ideas around this as, as, I, as I finish. Maybe a, a gauge. There's many gauges that I use personally, but I want to give you one. And I don't have this right yet. This is the thing that I'm struggling with. But here's, here's what I think I'm learning, and, and I've given you this before, that, that my schedule is far more about, or, or sorry, far less about what I have to get done than it is about who I want to become. Most of you would say, I want to be a good mom, or I want to be a good dad, or I want to be a good husband, or I want to be a good wife, or I want to be a good employer, I want to be whole, a whole person. But your schedule has to reflect that. I want to have a good marriage. Schedule, calendar has to reflect who you are wanting to become because the schedule begins to dictate what life is about for you and for me. I would even go further and say that the budget has to reflect not only what you have to pay, but who you want to become, what kind of relationships you want to have. you got to force that in there. So I, I want to give you a tool here, just for a minute. At the risk of coming across like Dr. Phil, I want to show you um, some work that was done by a guy by the name of James Lord. And he talks about energy, this kind of abound, abide thing, um, he talks about it, that, that, that our lives are kind of found up into four quadrants, and I'm a terrible drawer, but I'm going to just do it anyways. Let me give you the best that I have here. Um, well, that's not the best that I have, but I don't have time to get the best that I have. Um, so he, he divides it up into four quadrants, and this is going to be helpful, and you can draw this, and you can do this even throughout the day. And he talks about the energy being um, positive on this quadrant, and then sort of negative over here. I'm going to show you how this works and everything I'm teaching you right now. He also talks about how over here, it can be, the energy can be high and then it can be low. And there's sort of four quadrants here. I don't know if you can even see this, but hopefully you can. Can you guys see it or are you too far out of the way? Maybe just get your necks to grow a little bit and come out this way. That would be awesome. Um, maybe I'll just do that right there a little bit. So in this first quadrant, um, it would be words like, motivated and um, thriving and creative 
and positive. So it's, it's a positive thing. And I would argue that this is where the word abound comes in, right there. And then the second one, the energy's positive, but it's low. This one was high. Over here, it would be relaxed. And, and the word like home, hopefully your home is a place where you can rest. And, and, and rest and, and relationships, when they're good and healthy, this is where they're happening at. Over here, it's, it's positive, but it's low. But then you cross over to the other side of this coin. And let me just use red just to sort of differentiate here. Um, so in this other one, the, the energy is negative, but it's high. So it's, it's stress, right? It's, it's, it's anxious. But the two dominant, the t- he, he argues that the two dominant emotions in this quadrant are fear and that word I just said a minute ago, anger. But I would, I would also, just having been here for a while in my life, is there's no joy. There's no gratitude. And then it leads us to this last quadrant. Matter of fact, I would argue that if you live too long in this quadrant, every, life is all spent in one of these four quadrants, he says, and he's done a tremendous amount of research around it. But that the longer you stay here, the more likely it is that you are to enter here, which the, the, it's negative and it's low, and this has a kind of sadness to it. And this is often where grief, people who are going through grief happen. And, and then there's just a sluggishness. I don't even know if that's a word. I certainly don't know how to spell it. But, but there's this, there's depression here. There's anxiety here again. There's a loss of focus. There, there, there's a sense of dread about every day that you wake up, go to work. You're not driving to work going, can't wait. I can't believe I get to do what I do. There's just the sense of I can't focus. I don't want to get out of bed. I'm, I'm dreading what I have to do. And and he says that we spend all of our lives in one of these four quadrants. Now, ideally speaking, where would you want to spend most of your work life? Not not where are you spending it, but where would you want to spend it, right? Category number one, right? This quadrant number one, where we're abounding. Paul says abound in the work that God gives you to do. Over here, I would argue that this is the word abide. We're relaxed, we're home, we're connected, we're we're having relationships. But here's the trouble, here's the trouble. I don't know all of you, I certainly don't know your stories, but I know this, that many of you are spending your lives here, your work life. You're You're not abounding. Matter of fact, most of you tried to abound so much, you spent so much time abounding that you crossed over into this area. That matter of fact, if you spend too much time in either of these two categories, you will often find yourself where? Where do you think? This, this one. 18 months ago, um, September of 2016, I had been hanging out in this category for probably two, two and a half years. Do you know why I was hanging out in this category? Competitiveness. Trying to keep up with other dudes. Planning churches around the same time as friends and, and people I, weren't, I wasn't necessarily friends with, but I, I, I followed them. 
and realized that they were going faster and growing bigger. I had I'd allowed myself to think that we all had the same giftings, the same capacities, the same story, but we don't. We don't all have the same stories. We don't all have the same giftings. We don't all have the same capacities. But when you have pride come in, you think, well, I am as gifted as that guy. I am as smart as that guy. I am as talented as that guy. It has nothing to do with any of those things. And I spent, what, what started out here became stress, unbridled, anxiety, fear. I'm not keeping up. Fear, my life isn't going to matter. Fear, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. Anger, why does that guy get all the breaks? Why don't I ever get any of those breaks? No joy. No gratitude. Good things happening. I can't see it because it's not as big or as good as so-and-so. Trying to run somebody else's race. Trying to run at somebody else's pace. Do you know where I ended up? Do you know the first indication that I had that I was there? Been to Costa Rica eight times now. One time I went on vacation with my kids. Summer of 2016. We're there ostensibly for rest and fun and relaxation. And my little girl, Naomi, she says to me on this vacation, Daddy, why don't you ever smile anymore? And the other one, Noelle, she jumps in and she says, Dad, it's true. You don't ever laugh anymore. And then my wife, later on, babe, something's wrong. I've known it for months, but I didn't want to say it, but the kids are saying it now. Do you, do you know what that does as a dad? Do you know what that does to your heart? For your little girls to look at you and say, Dad, why don't you smile anymore? And I had lost joy. And I had lost any form of gratitude. I was angry. My body was breaking down. To the extent that my doctors, I have two doctors, a kidney doctor and then my internist. They're like, bro, if we we don't get this right. Something's so bad going on in your body. Your kidneys are shutting down. You're going to die. This is what they told me. You're going to die if we can't figure this out. And they, they were trying all these physical things. But at the end of the day, a major component was that I had spent so much time here that your body, you can't, you can't, you can't even stay here because there's a rhythm. There's a rhythm to life. And, and some of you would immediately push back and say, well, Danny, what am I supposed to do? It's my job that creates this for me. I'm living in this area because of my boss, my job. What am I supposed to do, quit? Maybe. Is that job worth your soul? Is it worth your health? Is it worth your kids? Is it worth your marriage? Or is there another one? Maybe it's not, you're not gonna make as much money, but you live a lot more holistic life. Some of you would say, well, it's my kids, man. My kids are busy. They got so many things that they have to do. What am I supposed to do? Make them quit? Maybe. Look, listen. They stink at soccer anyway. Stop taking them to it, all right? <laughs> Your boy's out there chasing a butterfly right now. Let him chase the butterflies. Let him be a botanist or whatever. I don't know, but he's not good at soccer. Let it go. Disney, man, let it go. Sorry, just checked out my moment that I had created there. <laughs> Whose race are you running? Whose pace are you running at? Is it really wisdom to keep taking the next step on the corporate ladder when every new rung of the ladder is taking more away from the things that matter most? It's the American way. Is it good? Is it healthy? Is it godly? Is it wise? Are you abiding or are you just abounding? 
Because let me tell you something, if you just abound all of the time and you don't learn how to abide and you don't learn the rhythm of it all, you won't have anything. You'll lose it all. Jesus says, what does it prosper a man to gain the whole world but lose your soul? So, my overseers, my doctors, two of my overseers preached the last two weeks, Pastor Ron Corzine, Pastor Brent Satoff. I hope you enjoyed those guys. They're tremendous, tremendous godly men. They shut me down. They said, you got to take time off, man. You, gotta, you, 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 can't, you can't keep going. So six weeks I took off, forced. It wasn't my choice. I knew I needed it, but I did it. But here's the thing. The reason I'm up here is because there's a 25 or there's a 35-year-old guy. There's a guy who's, who's in the prime. It's going well right now. And it's going so well that you think, I'm infallible. I can't be defeated. I can't come down off this high. You can and you will if you don't learn abide. You're meant to abound to throw yourself into the work, but you're also meant, like Jesus, to slow it down, to pay attention, to check the gauges of the life. Just because you're making more than you ever have doesn't mean your soul's in a great place. So Jesus showed me some things while I was out there, and one of them was a scripture that I've given you many, many times. Because this is so personal to me, you're gonna hear me talk about this over and over again because I got it wrong, and I, can't, I don't want you to. One of the things that I learned was that I would die for Jesus, but I will not die for my work. Come on, somebody. I, I, will, I, I would die for Jesus, but I will not kill my family because of my work. I will not kill my marriage because of my work. But it means I had to make changes, and I'm still always fighting these changes because my nature is to go hard. So a verse in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. This is from the message paraphrase where Jesus says, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out even on a religion? He throws that in there. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. You think because you're abounding and piling up stuff over here that your life is awesome? No, it's not. He says, listen, that's, it's going to lead to, the bottom is going to fall out on you, and I'll help you recover it when it does. Or you can just not do it at all. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And in our case, watch how he did it. And then this beautiful line, learn the unforced, what? Rhythms of grace and here's how grace fits in I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly abound and abide abound and abide if, if the burden that you're carrying right now has got you here and it feels too heavy to bear it's likely because it's not your burden to bear at all if you're chronically tired or worn out or exhausted at a soul level, God didn't put that on you. Probably you did. And you need to bring it to Jesus, lay it down at his feet, and learn to live in the unforced rhythms of grace. Amen, somebody? Close your eyes if you don't mind. Just pray with me for just a moment. Lord, I come to you real quick, God. Thank you, first of all, for 
the teachings of Scripture, the, 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 the model, the example that you gave us through your own life about this, that we might get this right, Lord. I'm, I'm thinking about young guys right, near, right now who are smart, who are gifted, who are talented, who are hardworking, and I'm just grateful for them and all the gifts and the talents that they have. But Lord, I, I, I know where that, that unbridled ambition to succeed and that sort of God-like status that that can take in our lives, that, I, that idolatry it can become. I've, been, I've succumbed to it. And I'm just praying that some of these guys, some of these ladies in this room today will hear these words and not just blow this off as just another thing that we did on a Sunday, but tomorrow would be maybe my greatest joy right now as a pastor and a leader that they would think about this tomorrow, that they maybe wouldn't even draw up this little grid here and, and think about where they're spending their time at, their lives at, as a way of gauging where they're at, asking themselves the hard questions about how they're doing and, and how if they keep going in the same way, the same direction, at the same pace, where that ends up. Give us grace to make wise choices. Give us grace to know that we don't have to do it all, that we can say no. Give us courage. Lord, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our marriages, for the sake of our children, for the sake of our health, help us to give this right. And most of all, for the sake of our relationship with you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done. Bless us. Give us strength, I pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hey, thanks so much for letting me hang out with you today. God bless you.